Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participant's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Are you enjoying Stomping Jen? Do you want me to move my chair? I commanded you in my disclaimer to enjoy, to lighten up and enjoy. Are you enjoying? I'm always enjoying. Right, I'm well, always down for the enjoy. Yeah, you're going to enjoy this. Do you know who I'm we're just, talking to? Yeah. Who? Michelle K. Lyman. Right. Michelle Lyman is the owner <laughs> of a yoga studio in yoga. South Hadley, Massachusetts called Serenity Yoga. Michelle also started Michelle K. Lyman, right? Which is um, an endeavor to help people struggling with anxiety find a way to manage that anxiety through mindfulness and yoga and other techniques. We're going to talk about all of this. I'm excited. Do you know why I am particularly interested in this I topic? I can't even imagine. You only talk about doing yoga every day of their that, whole life. That and I have been bedeviled by this beast called anxiety all of my life. I was going to so, hit the button. No hitting the buttons. We're not in the show yet. All this right. is merely well, the intro. The show, We're going to get to it. But anyways, this is why I'm excited. <laughs> And when I, when I was reading about what Michelle is doing, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to go see her and start this yoga and all of this stuff. So we're going to talk with Michelle about all of this, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Stomping Jen, we're here recording the podcast again. We're going to talk about say. yoga and anxiety with say. our guest, Michelle Lyman. Yes, please, go ahead. When we changed the music. Yes. Um, I liked the music. You don't like it now that I sing and over it all of the time. Every time we start a show... I sing to you. You now sing to me. Because the music moves me. But I want to hear the music. Oh. Well, I'm going to sing over it. Hi, Michelle. Oh, my gosh. Hi, <laughs> you guys. We've dragged you. you. Good. How are you? We've dragged you immediately into a dispute about this music. Um, the music is good. Yeah, thank you. I like the... It bears repeating. I That is the one piece I did not compose, but it's been put out there for public use. It was... Mm-hmm. That music was um, written by one of the members of the Wu-Tang Clan. Wu-Tang. Yes. Um, in response to the racist origins of the traditional ice cream truck music, um, Turkey in the Straw. 
out. Yeah, so he he wrote this um, and gave it away for free to the world. Right. Yes, to use. And then you butcher it by singing over it. How dare you? Um, <laughs> Michelle, thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, I tried to give a little intro of what you do um, in terms of um, you have your yoga studio, Serenity Yoga, and then you also have um, michellekliman.com where you work with people um, using um, techniques to help them with anxiety. Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity just to add anything additional about yourself that you wanted to. Tell us about Michelle. What is going on over here? Yeah, thank you. First of all, thank you guys so much. This is super fun. You both are so great. This is awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't think of a better way to spend some time. This is great. Um, yeah, so you you hit the nail on the head. In fact, I think you probably do a better intro about me than I could, quite frankly. Um, yeah, so I run a yoga studio in South Hadley. It's called Serenity Yoga, as you got. And I started that in gosh, 2012. Whoa, that was a long time ago. Mm. Um, and I did that for, oh, well, let me back up. So prior to owning my own business, I actually was in corporate finance for many years of my life. Mm. And so for about four years, I had kind of a corporate job and I also had the studio. And I really bought the studio because I wanted a place for people in the area to continue practicing yoga. It was more around I didn't want it to go away. And the woman who was selling it was moving to Boston and it was like, uh Oh, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, I'll just buy it. And I'll just, you know, it just runs itself or whatever. And I'll just keep doing this corporate thing on the side. And then about two years in, I started to realize I was burning the candle at both ends mm. and really trying to grow both my career and climbing the corporate ladder and becoming the executive I thought I wanted to be. And at the same time, trying to build this business that I was really into. Um, and so about three years of going through both of those things together, I got a life coach and was like, help, what do I do? I need to pick one. And so she helped me um, decide. Well, she didn't help me decide. She helped me realize that my path was to do this yoga thing full time. So in 2016, I actually left my full time job. And I've been running Serenity ever since full time, mm. which has been a wild ride. And we can talk about that as much yeah. as you want. Um, and then, so then the COVID hit, the COVID, <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic, the yeah. COVID, the, the thing we all talk about all the time. Um, and I realized pretty quickly that a brick and mortar business was maybe not going to be the future of my financial stability. So <laughs> So I decided to take my private work, which I was doing yoga for anxiety. This moment I opened the studio, I wanted to really focus on that because, well, lots of reasons and I can go into it. But when COVID hit, I realized, oh, shoot, I really need to start thinking about what I can do that's not brick and mortar. And so yeah. what that is for me is online courses and helping people through Zooms. And I still see private less private clients all the time, but um, my whole hope actually is to create and launch an online program that I can help way more people and serve more people going forward. Um, and so I kind of had to create this like side gig um, because it, it's not all just yoga. I have different mm -hmm. clients for both. It gets confusing. I've had friends say to me, like, 
you're all over the place. And it's like, yeah, that's because you follow both accounts and it gets a little all over the place. Like in one account, I'm talking about low back pain and in one account, I'm talking about, you know, your overthinking mind. It all is yoga and it all kind of falls underneath this mindfulness yoga umbrella. But um, the side gig is um, really just all about me and helping people, as many people as I can online, really, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I have lots of questions for you about yes. all of that stuff. Um, <laughs> I want to kind of, I wanted to start and just ask you kind of, what was your entrance into yoga? Like, how did you, were you going to that studio when you had an opportunity to buy it? Or it just, like, how did you get involved in yoga as a practice? Like something for yourself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was like, yoga, what? So in 2001, Mm -hmm. was it 2001? I don't even remember. 2001 or 2000. My, I was living in New Jersey at the time. And um, New Jersey. Oh, I was living in like the Morristown area. Okay. Stomping Jen is a Jersey girl. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah. From Manalpin, English town. You're from where? Manalpin. Melbourne. Morristown's pretty close. Morristown's like right by Town River, uh, Tom's River. Tom's River, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. It, it's Manalpin, like on Route 9 that goes south, right? Yeah. Manalpin, Englishtown is sort of off Route 9. And then you go yeah. south, and then it's like Howell and like Tom's River area. Tom's River. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not far. Yeah. I went down there to work for Lucent Technologies after college. Yeah. Hmm. I was like in the Warren uh, Morristown area most for yeah. like seven years I was in there. Yeah. 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 Close so, to the ocean. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. We would pop down to the shore, the yeah. shore, down shore, down the shore, <laughs> day trip to the shore. <laughs> um, usually stop around the one hundreds on the, on mm-hmm. the, uh, on the parkway just because it mm-hmm. was close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, my, my dear friend, Jen was my roommate at the time and she is a dental hygienist. And she said to me, Hey, there's this, uh, there's this new, Pilates yoga studio that's opening right across the street from my dental office. Do you want to go to like one of those classes with me? And I was like, what is that? Like, no, (laughs) I'm not. I know I like to drink beer and go out and have nights out in the city. I am not an earthy, crunchy person. This is the vision I had, right? Some tall woman standing on top of a mountain with her hair blowing and making her body in some crazy pose. I was a step aerobics girl. I was like, let's go to the gym and do some kickboxing. So we went and Oh man, if I could even put into words, I've been trying for how long? 20 years to try to put into words what that first experience was like. I had no idea um, I was going to fall in love, but Mm -hmm. I did. And I walked in there kind of with this negative, like, what the hell is this attitude? And by the time I left, not only did I feel um, more stretched out and better in my own body, but I also felt calm, probably for the first time in my life that I feel like I controlled myself. Like I did the exercises and felt like, whoa, I can manage this crazy anxious mind I have on my own. Whoa. And I know um, it's really hard to explain, but I know I walked out of there going, oh yeah, no, this is more than just Mm -hmm. advanced stretching, right? This is more than just moving mm-hmm. my body in weird poses. So um, Jen and I actually got hooked into a teacher training pretty quickly. Um, one of our teachers was like, hey, there's a teacher training. You should do it. We were both like, yeah, all right, fine, whatever. And we did it. It was, um, I, for lack of a better word, it was kind of silly. It was the woman who was giving us the training at the time she was going through um, 
uh, she's getting married. So she was kind of like, yeah, yeah, do the work and I'll see you next time kind of thing. She was lovely, but it was just bad timing for us. So we kind of half-fasted, I won't lie, but we did get it through it. And then all of a sudden we started teaching and I was teaching, you know, Friday nights at seven o'clock or something silly once a week and just fell in love with providing the experience I was having for other people. And so fast forward a bazillion years later, I move up to Massachusetts, where I'm originally from. I'm originally from Westfield and um, moved to South Hadley and started practicing at the studio I now own. And so, yeah, so that's kind of how it became. I was a I was a I was a student. I was also a teacher there. Um, and as the studio changed hands a couple of times, I ended up really um, kind of realizing I wanted to partake in owning it. It just mm-hmm. felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. What? um for people who I think like a lot of people like me think we know what yoga is and we've never done it. Right. Like, um, (laughs) how do you describe yoga to people like as a practice, right? Like what, what is it when somebody's thinking about or hearing about yoga or thinking about doing yoga? Like, what is it? What the heck is it? What isn't it? What isn't it? Jen? Good call. (laughs) (laughs) You're hired. No, I'm kidding. Um, I can take this in a million different ways. But in the first, um, you know, 5,000 years ago, when when um, yoga was created, there were only eight poses. <clears throat> and all of the eight poses were all about being able to sit in a way that you could then meditate. So all the poses were just about opening the body in a way so that you could actually sit. Um, and then because after the poses comes meditation. So meditation is about calming your mind and getting clarity of mind. And then the next um, step is um, absorption or um, concentration. It's like kind of getting so involved in something that you like almost lose yourself in it. Um, and then, oh gosh, I'm going to forget one. But and then at the end, you kind of come into samadhi, which is bliss, where you're just one with the universe, you're one with everything. That's the tradition I follow. There are different yoga traditions, but that's kind of the one that over, oversees a lot of the different yoga you'll hear about. Um, uh, but what ended up happening was, Yoga ended up not being such a, a widely popular thing back in India, back in the um, back in the day. And so what ended up happening was um, whoever was in charge at the time, I forget the president's name, but he actually said, let's go to Germany. They're doing some really cool stuff with people's bodies there. And it was gymnastics. Huh. And so what ended up happening was, yeah, what ended up happening was these, um, these yogis traveled to Germany and they learned the gymnastics of it. And then they brought this cool thing I'm using air quotes back to India and said, this is yoga. Now these are the postures we can do. And the whole idea is that you really get into the body. You feel the body. It's more about self-awareness. It's about, okay, how do I feel in this moment? What is going on? Can I move my arm in a different way? Can I get my hand to move slightly to the left or slightly to the right? Or how does my body feel? How am I breathing? How, where's my mind? Right. And that clarity actually clears the muddy waters of the mind, right? So if you think of a glass full of muddy water, it's always shaken up. The point of yoga is to really settle that mud to the bottom so that you can see through to your true self, to your connection to the bigger picture, your connection to um, whatever it is that you're meant to be here for. So that is a really long answer to what yoga is, but it is not just being able to put your foot behind your head. In fact, that's like the furthest thing from it. Yeah. I mean, it's great if you can, and I don't, you know, I think it's awesome. I can't, but it's not just about being able to do that. 
I'm going to tell you what I think about yoga. Go ahead, please. Well, I thank you for asking or for letting me talk about it. Go ahead. I'm going to tell you why I love yoga. Tell me. Yoga is the thing that when you're doing it, you are only focused on you. Like your body. So you don't, you take your body for granted, right? Like, you know, like most of the time you're sitting there like, I have to do this with my body. My body's to this. My body's to that. My body, you know, I don't like this about my body. I don't like that about my body. Are you reading my mind? Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. But that's like generally, like, yeah. and people don't generally think about their body as like a piece of equipment, Right. Right. It's just this thing that you have, right? And you're in it and you're in right. it for your whole life, right? Yeah. The body that you're born with. When you do yoga, you are so focused on what your body is doing and matching movement to breath, which is what Michelle was talking about. Mm -hmm. That that is the only thing you can focus on. You're not focused on the person next to you. You're only focused on what it is my body is doing. And it gives you this like greater awareness of what your body can do. And that's when you can start to push yourself. Like if you want to do those crazy poses, you know how to do them because you do them repetitively. And then, you know, the end of yoga is the reward, right? Like you get to do this thing called Shavasana, which is like the best thing ever. What is that? Tell me what that is. Which is laying on the ground <laughs> in, huh. in what they call corpse pose, which is Shavasana, right? Where you literally lay like you're dead on the ground and you're not, you're supposed to clear your mind of everything. So you do all this like work. Oh, it also depends on what kind of yoga you do because Michelle, right? There's like a bajillion different kinds of yoga. Yep. Jillian. <laughs> and so if you're doing like a vinyasa type workout or movement, it's a series. So you're constantly moving your body. And then at the end you get to lay down and you just get to feel all the work that your body has just done. Yeah. So it really connects you with your own body and you can take that outside. So, you, so when Michelle was talking about like being present in your body, like that's what it is. Like it's ex that's exactly what it is. It's like really feeling powerful in your own yeah. self, right? You don't think about like, oh, maybe my belly fell out or my shirt or whatever. Like you don't think about it because you're so focused on like the thing that you're trying to do. And which is also why like I absolutely adore hot yoga because <laughs> you're right. so flipping hot and you just want to be able to just do the thing and like you can't think about anything else. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. In that moment. It's fascinating hear you, hearing you two talk about it, right? Because um, it feels to me, and I don't know a lot about a lot of things, it feels to me like it's unique in the sense that it is a, it is a practice that combines the physical, the mental, the spiritual, right? And even other elements probably that I'm not um, capturing in my description of it here. And I was just thinking about how that is sort of unique to other forms of physical activity and practice and exercise, right? Like um, I'm thinking about, you know, when, when you go to the gym or me, I'll only speak for me, but when, like when I go to the gym, you know, you're, you're focused on, you're not, Focused on the internal. No, you're you're focused, focused on, on getting through the workout as fast yeah. as possible, mm -hmm. the quickest way possible, so you can get home to do the other right. things. You just want to do the thing. Yeah. 
Unless you're doing a form of exercise, maybe like running is something maybe that would match like. Yeah, there are elements of running that I'm hearing match. um, When, um, uh, Michelle, you were talking about something that sounded a lot to me like flow state, right? Like that. Yes. Like that. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. sense like. A lot of runners get there. Yeah. yeah. Or you might hear um, bikers, what I think it's called bonking. Bonking. Bonking, no, bonking is when you like get like too much. No, it's like when you get so into it. I'm not using the right word. I'm not a yeah. biker. I don't really do a lot of other exercises. Yeah. Um, my friend would kill me for not knowing the name of this. Um, but it's when you actually are so in the zone that mm-hmm. you don't even know what's going on around you because yeah. you're in the flow. Yeah. yeah. And bikers get it, runners get it. Um, I mean, I think you could do that with weightlifting. You can do that. You can get in that flow. You can get in the flow state, writing a blog. You can get in the flow state, you know, making your podcast. Like you can just get into it and it's like, woo, you're just off and running. Um, uh, but the difference with like going to lift at the gym or like when I hopped on my elliptical in the morning, it's like, uh, let's just get through like, you know, listen to music book like what else can i do to distract myself from this awful thing i'm doing to my body to make me feel better you know yeah there's definitely that element to it like i've never started a run going woohoo i want to do this mm. it's like a, it's like a a a death march for me mm-hmm. walking up to the point and while at some point into the run like a mile and a half two miles in i'm starting to feel good mm-hmm. but I would love to do something a practice get involved with something where i don't dread it well, like do you know what I like, mean? That's what I'm, that's, yeah. that's, you start yoga, you generally speaking, I'm, again, I'm not speaking for every single type of yoga. You're talking about your experience. This is my experience. Yeah. But like generally speaking, I've taken a lot of different kinds of yoga and you generally, you start in a seated position on the floor, on the ground and you go very slowly and you do the warm up, and then you start to, all of a sudden you're doing like crazy poses. I mean, if you're doing a vinyasa class or something like that. I think I'm liking this. I told you for years that you was like yoga. He doesn't believe me. Um, yeah, and, and Michelle, what what I love um, that you do on your Serenity Yoga website, right? So I'm going to ask our listeners who are who are listening to this: if you're in the Pioneer Valley, and even if you're not, go check out this website because I'm going to read some stuff off of it, and I want to talk about with you a little bit that I really so, that I really liked. I want you all to go check this out. It's um, I'll have the link in the show notes for you all to look at it, but it's serenityyogastudio.net. All right, I'm just going to read a quick quote here. Um, The media wants you to think that yoga is only for wealthy, vegetarian, young, skinny, white girls. Uh, These awesome ladies definitely practice at Serenity, but so do the middle class, middle-aged or retired, non-vegetarian, average-sized men and women of the community. I loved that quote because i do think like the media does perpetuate this negative stereotype about what yoga is and who practices it and like i'm just i'm curious did you feel did you feel it was necessary um to try to push back against those stereotypes and like let people know like you know like you're welcome. You're welcome here. Yeah, you're welcome here. Accessible. Thank you, Stomping Jen. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome here. Yoga is accessible to you if you if you don't meet the stereotype of what media tells us is yoga or people who do yoga. That's exactly it. And I am not 
a typical yogi. Like I have friends that are typical yogis and I'm using typical in like the media terms, right? They're tall, blonde, thin, can stand in gorgeous poses and they're beautiful and they are beautiful. They're beautiful humans. They're dear friends of mine. But when I come to the mat and I teach a class, I'm stocky. I look like I did gymnastics most of my life. I'm a little overweight. I have really big muscles. Um, I'm silly most of the time. And I don't take myself too seriously. Like I drink beer and eat burgers and hang out with my friends late at night. And I do stuff that, you know, I don't burn incense. It bothers my sinuses. Like I don't do the things that the media would make you think um, yoga is all about. And I will say that I didn't, <clears throat> the, so it was a little bit of everything. It was a little bit of like, well, wait a minute, South Hadley isn't full of these tall, blonde, gorgeous women. South Hadley is full of people like me, regular average peeps who just want to get through this thing called life a little easier than what they're doing right now. And so how can I let them know that this is the place for them to come and feel welcome no matter what? Um, and so it was a little bit about me making sure people knew that they weren't going to walk in the door and find, you know, the typical yogi standing in front of the mat. But it was also me about saying like, all right, community, like we're, like I said, it was small. 2012, it was just me doing this on my own and no live stream presence, no online presence. It was just like, hey, if you're in five miles, come on over and hang out with us. Um, and the people that were in five miles were all like me, just yeah. regular average folks. Yeah. So a person like like me. Um, you know, bearded, covered with tattoos, for anybody. encroaching on 50, you know, horrible back. I could be welcome there. That that would be a place oh, I could come. Absolutely. In fact, one of my students would probably take you in the back and be like, oh my God, here's what you need to do. Yeah. Sawtooth. This is the big thing. Like, here's your mat. Here's your, here are your blocks. Like, this is what we're going to do. Oh my God, this is going to be awesome. Like my community is all about new people mm-hmm. and they love sharing the practice. And I think that's what it was really all about for me. It wasn't really about, I became a teacher because like this teacher of mine kind of forced, not forced me, but she was like, you guys should do it. We were like, all right. Um, But after you teach a few times, you go like, wait a minute, this is huge. Like this changed my life for the better. And yeah, I still mess up all the time. And there are still plenty of days, by the way, that I don't want to go to yoga just sidebar, right? It's still hard to be like, oh, set aside time for myself. Uh, You know, I really need to get these 25 other things done. Um, But there is like what Stomping Jen said, there is something about walking into the space with people that are just like you, who are experiencing the same nonsense you're experiencing just in a different way. And you all come together and you sit down and you just go, okay, we arrived, we're here, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, very encompassing. Yeah. And low back pain, come on in, we can help. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, this goes to something, um, Michelle, I have been, you're not the first person I've said, I need to do something right. Like for my back pain and like maybe yoga is the thing we know other people, right. Who, who are involved with yoga and what it comes down to. And we'll talk a little bit about this more. I'm sure later too, is like, I'm afraid right? Like to do yoga, I'm afraid to stretch, I'm afraid to move my body um, in certain ways, you know, because I've suffered from herniated discs and like just, you know, I I moved a filing cabinet the other day the wrong way and I was, I couldn't walk for four hours. <laughs> like, so what, I guess what I'm asking is, do you like, do, do you get people like me who are afraid and that's like the barrier to coming to yoga? 
Sorry, the spousal, the spousal part of me wants to say so many things right now. You should go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I keep, I keep advocating for uh, yoga type exercise for sawtooth because I think number one, I think part of the reason he keeps re-injuring himself is because his core is not strong enough and he doesn't stretch ever. Literally never stretches, goes out and runs, doesn't stretch and doesn't do a warm up or an after stretch. Michelle is covering her face. Which only lends yourself, like it's like exercise 101 and I keep telling him that, but so hopefully Michelle, please help me. Yeah, and, and not not me specifically. Yes. How but do you, all those people out there that are just yeah. like Sawtooth how, and are afraid of yoga? How do you how how do we convince me and the arc the people like me that it's worth <laughs> it's worth it's worth taking a shot on this thing that we're doing here with this yoga? Oh my gosh! So um, so I'll tell. Uh, let me start with I have a dear friend, yep. um, and um, <laughs> he was like, you just don't stretch because that's just, you don't have to, I don't have time for stretching. I go out, I play my hockey, I do my things, I golf, like I don't have time for stretching. And then I guess one day he decided that, you know, he felt kind of funny. So he decided to stretch a little, a little bit, a little bit after he was done with his workout. And he said to me, Michelle, I feel so good after I stretch. I don't even, I don't even have any pain. And I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. No kidding, clown. Like that's what it's all about, right? Um, because what you're doing physically is you're asking your muscles and your joints and the fascia of your body, which is like this sheath that covers everything and kind of puts it all together. You're asking all of that to do something that um, it can do, but it gets tense and it gets tight and it gets short. And truthfully, when you're like lifting weights or you're running, you're actually tearing the muscle a little bit so that it will um, tear a little bit. And then when it grows back together, it grows back together a little bit smaller and a little bit tighter, a little bit stronger, right? So you're, you're building strength, which is great. But what ends up happening is if you don't re, if you don't take that strength and stretch it back out, you're going to lose the flexibility in your muscles and in your joints. And so when you bend over to pick up a pencil or to move the filing cabinet, just like that, something pops out of place, something hurts, something, ah, what's going on? Because your joints are so tense and stressed from the tight muscle in between. So that's like the physical response. Mm -hmm. The thing I can tell you is that in a yoga practice, we're not going to say to you, okay, Sawtooth, now just get into warrior two, go. Right. Right? So it's not like lift for 500 pounds. It's not like, um, you know, go for a 15 mile run. Whoa. We start with the centering because we want you to connect to the moment of the breath and the body, feel yourself in the body. So as we move you into warrior two, or as we move you into putting your foot behind your head or whatever we end up doing, it's all about self-awareness, right? How does it feel as you lift your shoulder? Does it hurt? Lower it. Does it feel better if you turn your palm up? Does it feel better if you leave it on your hip? Or does it feel better if you reach it over your head? Like you get to decide where the stretch is going to feel for you because it's all about self-awareness, which to Jen's point a while ago, we all live chin up. Mm -hmm. Nobody even knows anything. I love teaching beginners. So I'm always like, hi, these are your hands. Look (laughs) at them, right? It's like, these are your hands. 
you've been living with them for years. You don't ever look at them. You don't think about them. You just go, ah, they're painful. Ah, they hurt arthritis. Look at them, right? These are your hands. Feel your finger, move your top knuckle, like get intimate or get really curious about what's going on in your body. So while you're doing that in yoga, you end up moving your body in ways and you go like, oh, I can do this really cool thing because I'm aware that it feels safe and I'm not injuring myself. That's the hope. Okay. So it's okay for me to walk or somebody like me to walk in and just tell the teacher, look, I'm, I'm here. Oh, I'm yeah, taking a chance. Sure. I'm afraid. Here's my yeah. history. Like, yeah, I don't want to move in the wrong way. And so yeah. the minute you feel something hurt or twinge, And there's a difference between an edge of like challenge and being able to maintain your breath and being like, oh, this is a little bit interesting. Like I'm feeling a stretch, but I can maintain my breath versus, oh, shoot, this hurts. Right. Um, Back off. Right. So, yeah, any teacher would tell you that wherever you go. Yeah. I mean, there's like a bajillion again. Sorry to keep using that stupid word, but um, modifications Mm -hmm. or like, you know, like. Yoga is so slow that you know where your boundaries are. Mm-hmm. And if you Usually. don't, you learn. Yeah. yeah. If you don't, you yeah. figure them out. And then the other fun stuff that you learn when you do group yoga, yeah, which I know you love, group classes. I mean, it's an unfair bias I have because I don't think I've ever done a group yeah. class. It's more about fear for me. Yeah. But what you yeah. learn is that everybody's body is different and everybody's body can do different things. Like for example, I am very adept at doing squats. Like I have huge hips and I just, my body, I can do the, like the squatting that other people find very, very painful on their hips and like joints and their legs. A lot of people can't squat, but I can do it. I love it. So I'm like, oh, I can do that. You know, like there, you find the things that you can do with your body yeah. and then you get like a super like, oh, I could do that. Do you, are, are you in danger of becoming a squatosaurus rex though if you all you do is squats? Can I also wait, yes. I want to tell this story cuz <laughs> no, it's just funny and I think Michelle would find it funny. Okay, go ahead. My first so my first yoga classes were prenatal yoga. Like that's my that was my introduction to yoga. Really? Yeah, it was pre- I didn't know that. Prenatal yoga. Okay. And I just <laughs> remember like doing all this prenatal yoga so like I I was like oh I was like totally sold I was like you know she she coached us about like you know when you're doing you know when you're in labor and all this stuff you know like you you shouldn't be flat on your back because your body is designed to be you know tilted at a certain way and that's your pelvis and blah 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 so all I know is that when we had our first child, I was flat on my back and I kept saying to Brad, I should be standing. I should be standing up and I should be in this other position. Like I should. And, but I was like flat on my back. I don't even want to talk mm-hmm. about why, but um, I was like, I was supposed to do it like this because of my yoga class. Right. <laughs> and, yes. Your yoga teacher is wise. And, yeah. th- and thank goodness we had a doula there to help you help you because i was stunned that's all right that's a yeah. whole other story that we don't need to bore michelle with yeah because we're talking mm-hmm. yoga um <laughs> okay so here's the thing um now stomping jen yes. let's be fair to me i've been stretching at night a little a bit a little bit a little bit a little bit and i also will say that yeah. he had a bad experience with yoga because he went to physical therapy and oh, they gave boy. him a very small series of movements they gave me a printed sheet that was on a printed sheet of paper yeah what happened to me stomping and, and jen? i don't think that it agreed with you well i 
here's the thing. I was doing this stuff late at night by myself, watching TV, and um, hearing you talk, Michelle, I think I wasn't paying attention to my body. I did something the wrong way. I hurt myself. Like, I ended up in the hospital because of that yeah. injury. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. then of course you're like, yoga, no thanks. That hurt yeah. me. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. really bad. And, you know... So anyways, there's a lot of people like me probably out there who are fear, who fear their own bodies, right? And, and that's, so like, I wanted to ask, like, I'm sure once I start going to serenity yoga and I start taking yoga, is is it a long, it's a, it's a slow progression, right? I'm not going to see, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be opening a jar of pickles with my feet the next week. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> like, you have really long toes. Yeah. It, um, it's gonna I t- mean, you can make that a goal, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not. So it's it's gradual, and like and like Stomping Jen was saying, it's it's um, it's it like happens, and you're done with class, and you're like, whoa, what did I just do? Like that yeah. was super cool. Um, the thing I love about it is that the the moment the mind or the body kicks in and says like, I can't do this thing anymore. I can't hold this pose anymore. I can't do this thing anymore. Usually the teacher will say pretty much at the same time, like take one more breath, take one more breath. Can you sit with the uncomfortableness of this as long as it's not pain? And can you get to the other side of it and just see what's on the other side? And for most people, they go, whoa, I can't believe I got deeper in my squat or I was able to bend a little further forward in X, Y, Z pose. Um, so I, I think it's, it's yeah, it's really hard because I think, um, Sawtooth, you have a different experience where you're a little bit nervous about your body, but I would even question, and maybe this is a question, how aware of you, how aware are you of your body, right? So you might be fearful of it because you're not aware of it. So you don't want to bend a certain way and then something happens, but the slowness of it will get you to a place where you can actually start to feel some improvements in your body as far as like flexibility and agility and strength. Um, And then over time, it just continues and it morphs. When I first started practicing yoga, I was doing vinyasa. I was doing headstands and handstands and backbends. And I still can do those things today, but I don't really want to. Like my body's like, yeah, no thanks. And so I've morphed my practice. And so that's kind of what happens over time too, is that there's really no goal. It's not like, oh, I really want to get to like this pose and ta-da, I did it. There, I'm done. It's more around um, you start to feel the physical benefits pretty much right away. And there's just this whole mental benefit that comes into play as well. So yeah, you won't be opening a pickle jar with your feet the day after, <laughs> but um, maybe within time. Yeah. yeah, I will say the other barrier I think, and this is does not apply to sawtooth, but like other people out in the world, when they think about okay, I have an hour a day to do exercise, why might they not be choosing yoga? Would be that they feel like there's no bang for the buck, right? They don't, they don't see, they want like. I want to be build my muscle or I want to do this. And they don't realize yoga is so hard and it builds muscle and strength like no other exercise that you've ever done before. Yeah. Yeah, you're actually using your own weight. Mm-hmm. I've heard other people say that who mm-hmm. are athletes mm-hmm. who have gotten involved in yoga like later in their yeah. lives who say that same exact thing. I had no idea um, 
how how positively challenging this mm-hmm. is, right? It doesn't you don't feel like you're moving at all really yeah. when you're doing it and then you're like, "Oh my god." The next day you're like, "Oh, I worked that muscle." Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um the other barrier too is just a lot of people think that they can't do it. So where Sachuth, you're coming from it like a, oh, I don't want to hurt myself. I'm willing to try, but I don't want to hurt myself. Um, a lot of people come to me with, well, I can't touch my toes and I'm not really flexible enough for yoga mm. and I can't really quiet my mind. Mm. And I don't think I'm built for that. Or I'm a guy, guys don't do yoga. It's like, oh God. Okay. All of those reasons are kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, of course you are not flexible. You haven't stretched in, you know, 40 years. So yeah, you're not flexible and that's okay. And thank you for coming and let's, let's figure it out together. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be a certain thing in order to be able to do the yoga, right? It's not a doing, it's the being, and it's an experience. You're not actually like going to lift 500 pounds. You're not going to do the yoga. You're going to experience your body in a way in which you never have before using breath, using postures, using your meditation, your mind. And the hope is, is that you kind of calm everything down. You feel better physically. And you also walk out feeling a little bit more clear and clarity of mind too. Yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, just to stay on me for a second, like I think, no, I think I'm a little ahead because I recognize I need to do something different, you right? You've been and saying this. Yes. How long? Probably five years. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right. But I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm edging closer. You're not the only yoga instructor because that we've talked to about I'm, this. Because I'm stretching at night. Now. <laughs> oh, wait a second. That's. But okay, gen- That's totally fine. But gently, like gently. you've seen me on the floor mm-hmm, there. You're still I, watching TV. I, well. Michelle, I'm so this 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 is a good transition into the next yes. thing I wanted to talk to you yes. about, which is using also um, you, you, helping helping people like me who have struggled with anxiety all of my life. Like I've talked very openly um, on this podcast about it, right? I've been at, at points in my life diagnosed with you know pathological generalized anxiety, and it's something I've struggled with to at various points, um, treat, you know, with medication, I still go to talk therapy, right? And um, so I'm really particularly curious about your work um, in helping people who um, struggle with anxiety um, through the practice of yoga. Um, And I'm curious about, you know, how how do we get into this conversation? Where do you want to start about anxiety and yoga? So it's it's a perfect segue because um, I keep talking about, you know, that glass of water that's got all this mud in it. Right. And so you can, with the practices of yoga, you can actually take that muddy shaken up water and lower the mud to the bottom. And the way you do that is by getting present. And the way you get present is by getting into your body and into the breath. So the things that are actually in the present moment, um, for me, my yoga practice is all about calming my mind. I don't think I realized it that first day I took that class. I mean, I've struggled with anxiety my whole life as well. Um, I have been anxious and depressed at the same time. Um, and I found, you know, 20 years ago, talk therapy was great. When I first started thinking about this, talk therapy was great, um, but it was every Wednesday at four o'clock. And I didn't know what to do in between. 
And unfortunately, a lot of people think that the only options truly are talk therapy and medication. And I'm not knocking those. I've done them. I do them. Like I still take medication. It's the whole thing, right? It's very important. I am not going to take your anxiety away. I'm just going to help you figure out how to have a different relationship to it. Your therapist, um, you know, other things like that are going to be able to help you work through why maybe the anxiety is coming up, but I'm going to be able to have an opportunity to show you that first and foremost, you are not your anxiety. So you are actually the, the thinker behind the thought. So the anxiety are just thoughts and yoga gives you a chance or mindfulness gives you a chance to realize that the thoughts you're having, they're just thoughts. Just like your liver is responsible for, you know, taking out of the toxins of your body or your heart is responsible for beating, your brain is responsible for thinking. And some people's brains just think in a different way than other people's where there's a lot of thinking going on about what's already happened or what's going to happen in the future. And a lot of um, controlling, right? Lack of control is what is what is going on, right? Our minds want to be in control. When we were cave people, it was all about making sure we stayed alive. And so when we walked out of our cave and we saw a berry, it was like, well, should I eat this or not? I don't know. Oh my gosh. What if this kills me? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, right? Right. I don't know what's going to happen. So my brain is trying to come up with a story that's going to help me eat this berry so that I can figure out whether or not I want to eat this. Right. So as you're driving along or as you're going through life, like your mind is constantly like, okay, that conversation was really bad. Like I must've said really stupid things. I need to fix that because I need to be back in control. I don't need that person thinking that I'm crazy or boy, I really need to make sure that the future is, you know, exactly the way I want it to be because your brain is constantly trying to be in control. But what yoga teaches us is that we absolutely have control over nothing. We have control over nothing except our relationship to what is happening to us. And so the anxiety piece comes in because I teach people that you actually have more power with certain tools and techniques than you think. You just don't know how to use them. And so you don't know about them. So there's no way you would know where to start. So a lot of people say like, oh, I don't have time or I don't know anything about this or, you know, uh, it's like, well, yeah, of course you don't. You've never done this before. So just like you would have to learn how to play basketball, I'm going to have to teach you how to learn how to recognize your thoughts for just that anxious thoughts and then go, oh yeah, just thinking. I'm just thinking again. Okay. What am I doing right now in this moment? Oh, I'm breathing or I'm walking or I'm washing the dishes or I'm brushing my teeth. Cause in that moment, you're totally safe. I mean, obviously if you're, you know, in traffic and you're like running across a busy road, then you're not safe. That's a whole different story. (laughs) But if you're standing brushing your teeth and you're thinking about 400 other things, you're not in the moment. Your body is, your breath is, but your mind isn't. So it's all about talking to that like chatty Kathy up there, or I like to call it mind the monkey mind, very scattered. It's like, okay, everybody, let's just, hey, committee, let's just all take a chill pill. Let's come (laughs) here. And like, let's have like, let's just see what we're doing right now. Oh, we're brushing our teeth. What does this feel like? What is this doing? And it just lets them all kind of settle. And then when they're settled over time, you end up kind of seeing through it and going, oh, clarity, right? Have you ever had such a problem where you're like, oh my God, I can't even think about this anymore. It's driving me crazy. And the second you let it go, you come up with the answer. Yeah. That's exactly why. Yeah, definitely have that. Yeah. Sorry. I get so excited. I could just talk about this stuff forever. Yeah. Um. I'm curious, did, um, have you dealt with anxiety, like all of your life? Did it emerge 
later. For me, like, it's interesting. I think back and I reflect. Like, I was known as a worrier, kind of, when you I was You were known a, as a worrier? As a kid, yeah. Like, that was like a thing. Oh, you know, he's worrying. He kind of has a nervous personality, right? Like, I didn't have, like, what I thought was pathological, like, anxiety. Like, I didn't have my first panic attack until my 20s. Mm-hmm. Like, it emerged much later in my life for me. So, I'm, and I was like, what the fuck just happened to me? Like, and I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I had no, I had no understanding of what was going on with me. It, like, I had never felt, it felt like I was being remote controlled, in a way, like by somebody with a little remote controller. And, you know, that was like, that was, that was a frightening thing. So I was just wondering, Michelle, like, was it something, did you have a similar experience? Is it something that emerged later for you in life earlier? I'm just curious. I think there's definitely different types of generalized of anxiety disorder. Um, some people struggle in just social situations. Some people struggle because of a trauma in their life. They're dealing with like a PTSD situation for you and me. I definitely was the kid who was like, um, something bad's going to happen. Do we need to tell on somebody? Like we need to tell somebody like something bad's going to happen. What if I don't get my homework done? What if we don't eat at six o'clock? I, what am I, how am I going to get through the rest of the night if we don't eat at six? And like, I really kind of have to have all my ducks in a row and my, my stuffed animals have to be faced a certain way because I need to make sure that they're where they're supposed to be because if they're not where they're supposed to be like, Mm -hmm. right. It just was this my whole life. My first panic attack was in my twenties as well. And I think, I mean, I have no medical reason for this diagnosis and I don't even really know if I know what I'm talking about with this, but when you're anxious, your um, part of your brain, that's that caveman part, the amygdala is constantly thinking that you're threatened because your mind is thinking scary things. And although you're not physically being threatened in the moment, your brain doesn't know the difference between an actual threat and, and a perceived threat. And so I think over time, you're just building up all this cortisol and you're building up all this adrenaline and you're really like getting hyped up and anxious and um, your body doesn't know what to do with all that extra hormones. And I think it just manifests in time and it layers itself like an onion to this point where you just break down. I mean, I was having panic attacks over dying. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and freaking out over death. I would um, freak out when the plane flew over my head, just flew like, oh my God, I would duck and cry and scream. Oh, my poor boyfriend at the time when he was, when I had, he were exes now, but when he lived with me, he'd be like, what the heck is happening? It's a plane. It's what's going on. And it was just like, I couldn't take it um, until I started to realize, oh, this is all just reaction, right? These are all just stressors that are happening. And these are all reactions that I'm just habitually doing now. They're just coming up and happening because my body is so pumped up with all this adrenaline and all these hormones. Mm. Um, And then when, you know, talk therapy got me realizing like, oh, it wasn't the airplane. It was the boyfriend causing me anxiety. Oops. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) sidebar, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Um, But um, no, I mean, it was really like, oh, wow. And then, then knowing that having that knowledge, when a plane would fly over, I would start to feel myself get hyped up. And it was like, take a breath, pause, take a breath. What am I doing right now? I'm okay. I'm standing here. I'm feeling my skin. I'm feeling the breeze. I'm noticing the trees. I'm hearing the birds, whatever it is, plane flies over. And now I don't even hear the planes. So 
I mean, you can, you can talk yourself up and you can talk yourself down. And it's all about knowing that they're just stories. So, yeah, I mean, I think that to me is what I deal with is generalized anxiety. So when people say like, oh, you really should niche down, right? You should really point to like the person who has the thing, the specific type of anxiety. It's like, yeah, that's my type though. My type is general. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All types. General, right? It's all types. It's all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, and, yeah. and I would imagine that practicing yoga helped you with with uh, recognizing and connecting with your body part of beginning to manage um, the and recognize when anxiety is happening in your body and that's where that's where the the hybridization of your interest in helping people with anxiety and using yoga comes in am I right I'm getting this right mm-hmm. you yeah. are. but like yeah. all the tool like if you think yeah. about it uh, like tools for combating anxiety and anxious thinking. Yeah. Take a deep breath. It's like the number one thing they tell you. Yeah. Take a deep breath. Focus on your breathing. Yeah. Count to 10. Do your breathing. Breathing techniques. Other things are like, you know, doing stuff like where you're tapping each finger at a time so that you're focused on a task that it's right in front of you and you can control it, right? Mm-hmm. So the same thing with yoga. You're breathing. You're moving, you're connecting yourself to your body. Yeah. Same stuff, only mm. just a different application. Yeah. I was, I, I think, and I want to talk a little bit about your blog in a minute um, that's on your um, Michelle Lyman website, which is fantastic. I was, I was skimming through your blog this last week, and you're a great writer. I want to just say that. Oh. Yeah. And um, oh. Stomping Jen is commanding me to give you the affirmative sound. That's our sound of celebration. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, really. Um, you have so many um, excellently written articles on there just in this kind of space. Um, I definitely want to go back and read through them all, kind of start at the beginning and work my way up. But um, somewhere in my um, perusing through the articles, I was seeing, I saw a statistic there that, you know, just over 36% of people. Um, who have anxiety get help for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, sad. and I was just like grappling in my mind about why, like, why is that? Um, like for me, it was, I had a, you know, a child on the way and I was like, all right, I got to get this, got to get this, got to work on this situation. <laughs> like this isn't good. So, um, that was my impetus like that pushed me, but do you have any thoughts about why so few people seek help? Well, the number one thing I think I hear is I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not enough time in the day. I'm really busy taking care of everybody else before I can take care of myself. I need to just be taking care of everybody else first. That's probably one of the big ones. But I think the other thing too, is a lot of people with anxiety feel that they um, can just handle it on their own. I'll just handle it on my own. Right. Because everybody tells you you're feeling anxious. I'll just snap out of it. It's fine. Why are you anxious? So stop thinking about that. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. Stop worrying about it. Yeah. Worrying about it. What's wrong with you? This is not a problem. You know, just Mm -hmm. uh, let it go. Right. Well, yeah, that's all nice and fine and good, but not if I don't know how to do that. Yes. Letting it go is absolutely the answer. 
but not if I don't know how. And so um, I think a lot of people just feel like, oh, I should, I should be able to handle this on my own. I'm an Mm -hmm. independent, strong-minded mama, father, um, worker. I'm just like an amazing human. Why can't I figure this out? Right. It's no different than not being able to manage high blood pressure on your own. Right. Like you, you, you have mm-hmm. to get help for it. It is a chemical imbalance going on in your mind yeah. where you, you're just thinking anxious thoughts. You can't just stop them. It's literally going, it's literally a chemical imbalance that's happening in your brain. I think too, there's also the general stigma around mental health issues too. Yeah. Like if somebody, if like somebody is having anxiety or like panic attacks and they uh, are being told that and they don't be- quote unquote believe in that, then they'll just write it off as I'm under too much stress. That's not, that's not the real thing. That's not. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stigma. I will, a couple things about that um, because it is um, the uh, national depression month or something, national depression awareness month. Um, I think it's almost, it's okay to be anxious right now. A lot of people are talking about anxiety, especially since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Everybody has anxiety. Everybody's talking about no one really talks about depression um, because when you are depressed, you actually don't want to tell anybody. It's like the depression is like you're so deep down that you there's just no way you're going to be able to put the words to it because it is such a stigma around it. Because what if you're just doing it for attention or what if you're having a panic attack because you're just looking for a little love or a little hug? Why don't you just ask for a hug? Like, why did you have to go through all that? Like, these are real issues that people with anxiety and depression face every single day. The other thing too, is they don't trust their minds. They don't trust themselves, right? Because their mind is playing games with them all the time. Mm. So it's really, really hard to step back and go, oh, did I? Did I just reach out because I'm looking for attention? Ooh, maybe I did do that. Am I the problem? Oh, okay. Yeah, no. And you know what? Actually, yeah, it's not me. Sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be a bother. Like, I didn't mean to annoy you. I didn't mean to put my stuff on you, right? It's not, yeah, no, I need to control this myself. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Because there is something about them that they don't believe and they don't trust in themselves because their mind is constantly playing games with them, mm-hmm. with them, with me, with all of us, really. Yeah. But some people are just a little bit more better equipped to be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't yeah. need to worry about that. I think, I think it's a, that is a hard thing for people who don't experience Mm -hmm. uh, generalized anxiety or depression to really understand is how your own mind can deceive you, Mm -hmm. right? And how your own mind can push you into a pattern of thinking that you like, no, like, you know, it's almost like you're standing to the side watching it unfold and (laughs) like you, you want to do something about it, but you can't. And yeah, that, that's like a really hard thing to communicate to people who don't struggle with those things. Um, but there's like you can you can get help. That's what we yes. want to say here. And there yes. are things you can do. You know, you can you can um, you can see a medical professional. You can uh, get talk therapy, and you can do this stuff we're talking about that Michelle is mm-hmm. supporting. Yeah. In addition to those things, with. Mm-hmm. Um, getting more connected to your body and practicing some of these these techniques um, that we've we've mentioned a few times. I want to talk a little bit about what some of them mean, right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
before before we do that, I just want to mention one thing. What? Um, so I was just thinking, like for me, the longest time I was going in these like cyclical patterns. Mm-hmm. Right of like super anxious thinking, I'd be okay for a while. Super anxious thinking, I'd be okay for a while. For me, and I'm only talking for myself. Like the the thing I didn't realize is when I cut alcohol out of my life, um, like a year and a half ago, that was the one of the magic bullets for me because alcohol. And for, he still has anxiety. By I the still way. have it. Yeah, I'm not like <laughs> I'm not cured. <laughs> it's not cured. <laughs> I still have it, but. Um, I don't feel as dysregulated, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if you're somebody like me who thinks you're doing all of the other right things, like, you know, you're exercising, you're in therapy, like, and, like, you still have a missing piece, like, I don't know. It, it, for me, it was alcohol. Like, maybe there's something else. And um, I got there through deep introspection and reading and, you know, maybe deep introspection through something like yoga can lead you there too, to look at other pieces of your life that might be causing dysregulation, you know, like, I don't know. I just wanted to mention that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a reason for that though, too. What is it? Well, cause alcohol puts you in a cycle Yeah, and that's what anxiety is too. It's a cycle. Like, cause I had a, I had, sorry, I don't want to get too far into the I mean, we've talked about all of this before. Yeah. But. but like, I mean, I had to go to therapy so I could learn how to interact with you when you were anxious. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Right. I mean, and yes. that was like an important piece of our relationship is yeah. that I need to be understanding of what to say, what not to say, how to manage, help you manage and get yeah. you back to square one when you're having catastrophic thinking or yeah. all of that. Yeah. Real talk. I mean, that, I mean, it, you know, it takes, um, it's not just one thing, right? And there are p- many, many things that can help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I hear, as I hear Michelle talking about, you know, what she does in working with people anxi- with anxiety through coaching and yoga, you know, and some of these tools you can use, um, you know, I, I'm just want to say to people, it might take multiple things, right? Right. So, so Michelle, one of these um, techniques you use to help people, and I think we may have talked about this, but mindfulness, and I think we've all heard this word before, um, but what does that mean? And like, what is it? Yeah. One of my teachers um, always says like, he hates the word mindfulness because it's like, what the frick does that mean? (laughs) Um, There's really no other way to say it. I think I use it because it's what people know. Um, But truthfully, it is the practice of being aware, self-aware. It's self-awareness and it's um, self-awareness without judgment. Truly. It's, It's really all about being aware of what's going on for you without judging it. So not having that extra voice come in and say like, well, that was stupid. Like, why did you just do that? You know, or why did you just think that? Or why can't you put yourself into that pose, right? That extra, like kick the horse while it's down or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's all about uh, non-judging awareness. It's all about non-judging awareness this is what mindfulness is. Um, mindfulness is being aware of what you're doing. So you can be mindfully eating, right? So don't, mm-hmm. don't <clears throat> watch television and look through Facebook and eat, right? Like do one of those things. Um, when you're eating, eat, right? So when you're reading, read, when you're walking, walk, when you're having a conversation with somebody, 
listen, right? So it's all about getting out of this mind of ours that is constantly thinking about the next thing. And you know, those people that you're talking to and they're not listening to you. They're just trying to think of the next thing that they're going to say in, in conversation to what you're saying. Um, but people that are in tune and can listen, they're in the moment with you. It's all about being in the moment and getting out of your head and knowing when you are in your head and being able to say, when you, you just said, Sawtooth, that, you know, you were like having an out-of-body experience where you're kind of like watching all of this happen. Yeah. That person watching is your true self. And that person watching is going, oh my goodness, look at all these thoughts. Look at all this crazy stuff that's happening right now in this brain of mine. What in the world can I do about it? Instead of keep watching the movie, Right. There are tools you can do. You can breathe. You can get in your body through a practice. You can um, use your five senses to get very clear about what's going on. You can direct your energy downward to help you feel more grounded because your anxiety is kind of an upward and out thing. And if you think about it, you know, even if you're just sitting there and you're super anxious, you're probably exhausted because there's no energy in your body. It's all going up and out, up and out. So bringing it in and down helps you ground. Um, so having that out of body experience really is that, that witness. And so that self-awareness is you going, Oh my God, I'm standing on the side of the road, watching this crazy story in front of me. Okay. What am I going to do about it? I'm not going to be mad that I'm having this crazy story. I'm not going to judge this crazy story. I'm just going to choose something different. And it's that non-judging awareness. That's truly what I believe mindfulness means. But if I said to people, Oh, I'm going to teach you non-judging awareness, people are like, what is that? Um, Mindfulness is like doing things in the present moment, being here, being here in the now, because that's all we have is right now. Even the earlier part of this conversation has already happened. When we go to end it, it hasn't happened yet. This is it, this moment right here. And in this moment, we're all safe. We're all fine. We're having a lovely time. I'm enjoying this very much. I don't need to be worrying about what time is bed and what am I going to be doing tomorrow? No crap, I'm really going to get that blog done, right? That's that's all later. That's all later. So yeah, so that's what I teach is like here, okay, you're standing on the sideline. You're watching this crazy stuff happen. What can you do when you go, whoa, I'm having an out-of-body experience? It's that moment of going, oh, okay, I have tools. Where are they? Where are they in my toolbox? Yeah. And that's what I teach people. Yeah. Mindfulness. I like that. Yeah. Self-awareness without judgment is what I call it. And can you can oh. you can you learn to be mindful while practicing yoga? Is that something that Yeah. Is that part of is that part of what you, you do with people in, in it accidentally yeah. happens. And I okay. think that's probably what drew me to it is because the way we teach it isn't mm-hmm. okay, everyone hop into warrior two now. Yeah. It's okay. Let's, let's be aware of how your body feels because your body's in the present moment all the time. It's never in the past. It's never in the future. So your body is currently here. So, okay. In your body right now, what does this feel like? So awareness. Oh, okay. This is interesting. I feel, I like this. I don't like this. Oh, I really wish my arm was higher. No, no, no. Without judgment. Right. Yeah. So we teach that in our poses. Don't look at anybody else. Don't worry about what you did yesterday. Don't worry about what you think you can do tomorrow in this pose. Like, what are you feeling right now in this moment? And be okay with what is because your body is coming to this place right now and it needs whatever you're able to give it. Don't push it. Um, don't judge. And so you learn these things and you're, and you kind of just, it's like over time, you kind of go like, whoa, wait a minute. I think I just learned non judging awareness. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> just did by, by practicing pigeon pose, right? Mm-hmm. Or like by practicing a forward fold. Like, oh, my body has limitations and I'm okay with that. Cool, 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 right? Yeah. Yeah. So you learn it through, um, I one of my dear teachers, she teaches my vinyasa class and I'm, I'm dying to get her to write a blog um, because I think her experience is just so incredible. But she's she always says to me, Michelle, the way of the mind is through the body. The weight of the mind is through the body. You got to get into the body first, get out of your mind, get into the body. And I think that's true specifically for anxious people. I can't just tell my clients who have anxiety. Can you imagine Sawtooth when you were having your most highest anxious moments for me to say to you, okay, let's sit down and meditate. Let's, let's just, you'd be like, F you babe. What the hell are you talking about? This is bonkers. I can't stop this crazy mind of mine. We move, we move, we move, we move, we move. Walking meditation, moving the body, get out of your head. Yeah. And like you were saying, you know, it definitely, um, anxiety is one of these things that compels an outward expression, right? It's like, an like you were saying, it is definitely like this, this thing that needs to get out of you. It, it, it is like a, it's like a monster trying to break out of your body, like a beast. And I think, I think there's, um, there's an article on your uh, on your blog, one of your blog posts about the beast, the or you know the beast of anxiety, and it really is. And like one of the things I think um, people, Stomping Jen, you understand this, I know you do, but it's just like how um, exhausting anxiety can be, like physically tiring, mm-hmm. right? Like the mental processes can be uh, of it, and I and I can only help but think. Um, that in my mind, I don't know anything about this. It's it's the it it's because you're not expressing it like physically somehow, and that's why I think something like yoga and a a practice centered a practice that is mindful about using yoga, your body. using your body to help people with anxiety could be really beneficial. Mm-hmm. That's why I think maybe it's particularly helpful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think there's that, but you know, also there are other ways like back to running. I'm sure when you go for a run, there is like that quality of meditative in the moment, in the now, right? So whenever you're in the moment, in the now, whatever that thing is for you, my aunt loves to crochet and knit and she just goes right in and it's like mm, peaceful, right? Some people love to put puzzles together. Mm -hmm. Like it's whatever the thing is for you, journaling, like whatever the thing is for you that you're going to do, that's going to get you to come here, right here. And that is really hard. Um, and it is a beast. Oh, and then just to add this other point, right. So also when you're, when you're, um, when you're drinking, when you're, and uh, you know, I should really learn these lessons too, (laughs) but yeah, when you, when you're drinking, you can't, you're impaired. You're like chemically impaired, not to be able to notice that person is actually watching the movie. Right. So you, you're going like, wait, I'm in the movie. Wait, no, I'm outside the movie. Wait, I'm in the movie. Cause there's no boundary. Right. Um, and you can't, you can't actually like, you can't actually separate because the mind is all doubled up with, with, um, alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just want to add to, and you know, like I was only talking, you know, stomping Jen, I was only talking for me, you know, about, about alcohol. Cause there, there are lots of people who can, you know, can drink and responsibly and be okay and have it not completely tip their apple cart over, you know? It took me a long time to learn that I'm not, I'm just not one of those people. It just dysregulates me. Yeah. Yes. What a great word dysregulates. And I think that's hugely about self-awareness, right? So everybody, 
the whole point of this is for you to learn what works for you and what doesn't. So if, you know, if I start to realize like, oh, I'm doing this one thing every day that's really annoying me, like I probably should stop doing that one thing, but it's about having the awareness that, oh, oh, here's a great one. You know, a lot of people will come to me and be like, I just can't handle what's going on in the world right now. And it's like, okay, well, how much news are you watching? Mm-hmm. Oh, I well, not that much. I just watch it in the morning and then at lunchtime and I read the paper and I'm constantly getting the food, the loop on my um, iPad and then I watch it at night. But still, it's not that much. And it's like, it's what are your inputs? <laughs> what are your inputs? Watch your inputs, right? So it's not about like judging the inputs. It's just like noticing when you watch a scary movie, how do you feel after? Hmm. I know scary movies trigger my anxiety, like no tomorrow. So I can't watch scary movies because I know what they do to me. Um, I don't like that feeling. I don't like having a big giant anxious feeling. So it's all about recognizing what works and what doesn't work for you. And everybody is going to have a different experience. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another tool that you talk about is, is concentration. And we've talked about this already. I think um, our technique is, you know, if you're, you know, when you're doing, when you're doing yoga and you're being, you know, practicing mindfulness, you really got to drill down, right? Concentrate. And is my, does my arm hurt when I lift it up this high, right? Like, is that what we mean by concentration or do we mean something else as a technique? So concentration definitely is for when you're doing the physical poses for sure. Again, yeah. cause you concentrate on your self-awareness, concentrate on your body. So you don't hurt yourself. Um, you can't be thinking about what you're going to have for dinner or watching the news while you're stretching and Mm -hmm. be like, I just hurt myself. And well, you probably weren't concentrating on the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, probably in the blog you read, I was probably talking specifically around meditation, um, or like one of the avenues into meditation. You can't usually just sit down and get into flow state. You can't just sit down and be like, Oh, you know, people that think that's what you're doing, but you're really not, you got to calm the mind. Even if you're not a person with anxiety, your mind is still really busy and very, very foggy. And so concentration is like this laser focus that just takes all the noise and Mm -hmm. just that monster and just, just puts it down into like, like minor, minor things so that you can get laser focused so that you can actually kind of step back and go, how cool. Now I'm in the flow. Right. So it's like this moment of being like, Whoa, this is so cool. I'm so concentrated. I mean, how many times have you like been involved in a project or something and you look up and you're like, Whoa, an hour just went by. Holy crap. Like I was just so focused that I just lost like all sense of everything else. Right. You just get so focused. Your mind isn't busy doing anything else. So yeah, it's a little bit for the body. Um, well it's for everything, but it's specifically, um, when I probably was talking about it for meditation. Yeah. And we've, we've heard that word a bunch of times, meditation, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I'm not even sure I know. Well, like, I think sense. I know what, like, what a popular culture interpretation of meditation is. But Michelle, from your perspective, like as a practitioner, what, um, what is meditation? Yeah. So the simplest way I think I can describe it is that you're not actually trying to quiet the mind, which is what I think a lot of people think it is. You know, you go to the top of a mountaintop and you try to quiet the mind, you're watching the mind. So it's Mm. actually stepping back and finding the seat of the witness is what we call it. Um, Or it's that true self or your true being, the one that goes, what are these thoughts I'm having? Like that voice, like, and if you don't know the voice I'm talking about, 
and you just said to yourself, what is Michelle talking about? Like, that's the voice I'm talking about. <laughs> it's the voice that like goes like, whoa, Michael Singer does an amazing job of explaining this in a book called The Untethered Soul. Um, and he is an amazing, amazing human. Um, and I just, I love his book so much, but he talks a lot about the seat of the witness and how meditation is not necessarily like, I'm going to quiet my mind now. It's more about let the mind do its jam. And your job is to watch it. And then what ends up happening is you actually end up seeing the same stories and the same patterns come up and the same uh, repetition. And what you can do with that is you can start to say, oh, isn't this interesting? I have the same loop replaying over and over and over again. I want to investigate now what this loop is about. Right. I want to go talk to my talk therapist or sit with it a little bit and figure out like, what is this loop about? Like, why am I constantly worried that this plane is going to fall out of the sky and land on my head? Like, or what is the thing that I keep thinking? Like, there's usually like 10 stories. You just keep telling yourself story after story and they just repeat and loop. And so you get to actually take a moment to go, oh, wait a minute. I want to investigate that. And, and potentially come up with some clarity around it and maybe even move it to the side and get to the next loop and get to the next loop and get to the next loop. So it's all about like clearing out the things that are keeping you from feeling free. It's all about the things that are kind of in your way and just figuring out how to move them to the side and feel a little bit more bliss, a little bit more calm um, with what you're going through at the moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, like it makes sense to me conceptually. I don't know that I've ever meditated. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I've ever got to that state. Where you're just watching the thought. Yeah. You're not like diving into it. Right, yeah. You're just like letting it come up. It sounds like, it sounds interesting. It sounds like something I would want to try to do, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> it's kind of trippy. Yeah. Um, it's kind of trippy because you're kind of like, wait, what? I don't understand who is this witness yeah. thing, but this you tap into that you're like oh it's so headspace the app headspace is a really cool job of kind of explaining how like if you it's like you're sitting on the side of the road and you're watching the cars go by and some cars are blue and some tar cars are red and some are big and some are small and you're just sitting there hanging out like you're just chill and then all of a sudden the next thing you know is you're in a car and you're going up and down the hills and you're flying around fast curves and, da -da -da -da. and the second you realize you caught yourself in a car you're like oh let me out. And you just jump to the side of the road. Yeah. And so those cars are like your thoughts, right? They're big ones. They're small ones. They're fast. They're slow. They're sometimes they're foggy. Sometimes they're crystal clear. Um, but your job is to watch them. And when you get caught in a thought, when you're off scattered about thinking about like 400 things, which by the way, you're going to do 900 million times, a bajillion times, <laughs> um, your job as the witness is to go, whoops, I'm in a car and pop out and to just say like, all right, that's a thought. See ya. I'm done with that. I'm off to the next thing. What's going on right now? Well, I'm just sitting here, just hanging out. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. Like, I feel like I have a sense of what some of those things would be, but I need to get in there. And yeah. I get to get out of the car. I need, yeah, that's what I mean. I need that's to get, right. I, I need yeah. to set up my lawn chair on the highway. There you go. And see, and see what, <laughs> see what comes down the highway. There you go. Um, yeah. And then you start to see the patterns. It's very interesting. It's cool. Yeah. Um, Michelle, you talk about, you know, on your various websites and in your blog about some, the work you do is, you know, about trying to help people accept themselves just as they are. We've talked about this a little bit here I get a couple of times in our conversation. Um, why, why is it so hard for us to accept ourselves? I mean, I can only speak for myself. I, I have a really hard time with this, 
you know, um, one of the things my therapist, you know, tells me is, you know, when you, when you walk into a room, you remind yourself that, you know, you are, you are, um, good enough. You're good enough. enough. Well, no, I mean, God it's, darn it. People like you. <laughs> I mean, what it's, <laughs> All right, <Stuart. laughs> yeah, I'm trying to accurately summarize what he says, but it's just that you have just as much value as all of the rest of the people in that room. And you have every, you know, every, every reason to be there because mm-hmm. you're there. That's right. And like, why is it so hard for us? Why, why do, why do we need other people to tell us that we're why okay? Why do you need validity? Yeah. Validation. Yeah. Do you have any insights well, into that? I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, tell us the secrets of life. <laughs> so, um, so I will share, no, no, this is really cool. So yeah. there is a type of um, therapy that I don't, I know very little about, but it's yeah. called um, interfamily systems. Or IFS is the name of it. But the idea is, let's say um, Sawtooth, you came home when you were five or no when you're 10, right. And you run in the house and you're like, I got a B plus on my social studies exam. And I can't wait to show my dad. I'm not saying this happened to you, but like you go and show your dad and he looks down and he says, Hmm, why didn't you get an A? This little person inside of you goes, Oh, holy hell. I never want to disappoint my dad again. I better figure out how to never make that feeling come up because I don't like how I feel right now. This is kind of uncomfortable. I don't like uncomfortable feelings. Let's make sure I turn into a perfectionist for the rest of my life so that I will never feel disappointment from my father again, right? So that's like really deep and a very specific thing. But usually when you're a little person, you're like a little computer without virus protection, right? So like you're... My teacher says that all the time. Like you're just constantly taking in information and your little computer brain is like, oh, do not do this. Yes, do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And these little people are created. The perfectionist, the I'm not enough person because you asked for something. Um, I asked to have my feelings shown that weren't happy or joyful. And I was told to go to my room until I figured it out myself. Right. So it's like, oh, I'm supposed to be joyful and happy all the time. Okay. So any other emotion is bad one. So if I have a bad emotion, then I'm a bad person. So when I share my non-happy, non-joyful emotions, I can't possibly be doing that to other people. That's just not right because I'm not a bad person. I don't want to be seen as a bad person, right? So, I mean, this gets into the onion and like all diving in, right? Therapy stuff. But in my opinion, it's because between the ages of two and seven, we all lived our lives and our parents did the absolute best they could with what they had. And we just became little humans that took on a lot of this. So this feeling of not enoughness comes from all the stories we tell ourselves all the time, but you are enough. And that to me is what's so important is that you are enough just as you are. Even if you come to yoga class and you sit and you breathe for an hour, I don't even care. Like that's perfect. If that's what you need right now, then that's enough because that witness, the person watching the movie is enough. That person is your true self. You were born into this world to experience whatever you're supposed to experience the way you're experiencing it. And that is your true self. You are love always. And all the other stuff is just a whole shit ton of stories that we tell ourselves every single day that are not true facts. Damn, that's good. I like that. He wants you to like whisper in his ear. I'm getting it in my I'm getting it in my ear right now. Right. And when my what and when my, my I mean my when my therapist told me that, it's like you're enough. I cried. 
Yeah, because you are, because you know you brought you up are. something for you. It did bring up something for me, yeah. <laughs> and, and what I'm hearing too, and I want to tie it back to yoga, like this, you know, the, the practice of yoga can help us learn in some ways that we are enough, right? Like, yeah, it's okay. I can't, um, you know, open a pickle jar with my feet or I can't touch my toes. That's fine. You don't, right? have, you don't have to open up a pickle jar with your feet. Yeah, you don't have to do any of that stuff. You don't stuff. have to. Like you said, you, you can you just... Yeah, like you said, you can just come here. You you can come here and sit and breathe and be in the community. Like, that's okay. Yeah. You don't have to be in the full forward fold to experience the doing of yoga. Your body will only let you go so far for the limitations that it has. And so you are enough in that version of that pose. You are enough in that version of that meditation. You are enough in that version of that conversation. Like if I say stupid stuff, I have my dear friend, Ellen, who I just like give her a shout out because I love her so much. She constantly says to me, like, it's okay to have the feelings you're feeling. I'm like, but I'm sad. And she's like, yeah, uh, people get sad. Yeah. Ride it. Like think, get into sadness. You know, I, it's like be who you are. It's okay. I think that's sorry. I have a problem with Pixar movies, but all of this oh. conversation just brings up inside out for me. And like that movie just like brings me to my knees sometimes. Yeah. Like and it's it, okay to be sad. Yeah, it is. You, you know, Michelle also wrote a really good blog post about um apologizing too much i'm a chronic over apologizer <laughs> i apologize for everything i walk into a room and i say oh i'm sorry <laughs> like am i here am i early for the meeting oh, oh am i'm I, sorry <laughs> no a, a, about every sentence i say starts outside of this space where like I, you're I, in control i'm in control like this, yes the podcast space is my space right it's my little universe but outside of here i'm a chronic over apologizer chronic you know? Over apologizer. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Except for with yeah, us. You're initiated. That's at the yeah. house. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel comfortable with you all, right? right I feel yeah. accepted by you all. But right. um Yeah, so anyways, I was just I was just um I was just reflecting because you apologized before you told us about oh, your love of Pixar. Yes, you did. Oh. Yeah. I do love Pixar. Go read go read Michelle Lyman's blog. Um, so you didn't focus on what I said. You just focused on the fact that I said, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. No, I did focus on what you said. You said those movies bring you to your knees. Yeah. You get overwhelmed. I by do. Them. I cry. Yeah. And then everybody makes fun of me. Yeah. No one makes fun of you. What do I say to you? Mommy has a big heart. That's right. <laughs> I go over to I go over to Stomping Jen and I give her a big hug and I say, I love you. You have such a big heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 That's, that's important. Yeah. <laughs> not a burden and it's not wrong and it's not you know like I think we apologize because we don't believe or trust ourselves um we feel like we're just going to be a burden to other people by existing like can you imagine this is how we live I mean I luckily wrote that blog really recently and then I did it live I did a, um, a live on Instagram I think and I literally started it with oh I'm sorry I'm sitting in a really squeaky chair right now and then I ended it with, well, I'm really sorry this was so long. I didn't know. I didn't know it was going to be this long. And oh then someone called me out on it. And they're like, seriously, you're talking about over-apologizing? You apologize like a million times. So now some of my closer friends will be like, don't apologize. And I'll be like, I'm sorry. Nope, don't apologize. They'll, po- they'll call me out on it. And it's like, yeah. I instantly want to say, oh, I'm sorry for apologizing. Right? But you don't have to. <laughs> because you're not a burden. Yeah. You do have powerful opinions. You do have... Um, things to say that people need to hear. Like it doesn't matter if it's one person or 20 people or a thousand people, like you got stuff to share. And so um, it's hard though. It's hard. It is. It's- yeah. 
Um, Michelle, on you, you wrote. Um, you, I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm gonna keep <laughs> referencing. Just apologize. See, there, I We're did it. Call each other <laughs> out. Uh, We're gonna call each other out. Yeah. From now call, on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what did you want to say, Sati? Um, okay, I'm not gonna apologize for this. I noticed looking at your your blog, you you recommend a book. Um, it's your favorite book about dealing with anxiety. Um, it, it's called When Things Fall Apart, um, Heart Advice for Difficult Times by, um, could you pronounce this person's name? I don't know how to do it. Pema Chodron. Okay, Pema Chodron. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about that? What, what about that book touched um, you? So Pema Chodron is a, uh, a Buddhist monk, um, but she is also like lived in the world. So she's not, you know, just sitting in an ashram somewhere um, meditating on a mountain or anything like that. She's had many, many life experiences. And what she does is she takes a lot of the Buddhist theory. And I will say, so, so again, oh my gosh, there's so many ways you can take this, but like all this Eastern philosophy, yoga comes from India, Buddhism um, is a different avenue. There's different avenues in like Japan and all sorts of different things, but the Buddhist, um, path and the, and the yogic path are similar in a lot of ways. Um, and so I find myself kind of aligning to both and they both kind of tell me the same, same theories and story. Um, and Buddhism is not a religion. It's more of a a way of living anyway. So she is really incredible about taking these somewhat difficult things in the Buddhist theory and turning them away and writing in a way that you go like, Oh my God, that's me. Oh my God, that's me. Right. So having anxiety or going through something difficult um, in your life, there's a lot of ways you can apply the Buddhist theory. But if you just read about Buddhism, it's going to be like, but the reason I love that book, and I've probably read it three or four times over the course of my life is because it just speaks to the way her life was in that moment when she realized she needed to understand this concept. And it just takes a kind of a difficult concept to grasp. And she puts it in a way that just, oh, it just, you go like, oh my God, of course, how silly, how silly, how that much makes so much sense. Yeah. It's really clever. I'm going to add add that one to my Kindle Um, and I'll post the link to that in the show notes for people who want to, who want to get access to that. Um, All right. We're going to, I got three more questions for you, Michelle, as we begin to, to wind down. Um, this is kind of a big question, but I'm hoping I'm hoping there's some some answers here. What what have you learned about practicing yoga, um, and studying it, and teaching it for nearly 20 years? Like what what have you learned, and where where are you at right now? I know it's a big one. Big one. Um, I have learned that I am enough. That's hard to say. I have learned that I am capable of much more than I ever thought I was capable of before I started practicing yoga, both from a physical perspective and also just from a mental perspective. Um, I have learned that um, there is good in everyone. And although there is conflict, there is struggle, and there are arguments, there's always the other side. And to really think about like, where is this person's coming? Where is this person coming from? And how can I 
maybe not be able to put myself in their shoes, but how can I at least open up to the possibility that this is a argument we're having or the discussion we're having because they've had an experience that's causing them to have their point of view. Where I am right now is truly still dealing with a lot of my onion. You know, it's like just peeling it back and diving in and getting to the root of, you know, this investigating of these patterns of thinking and noticing when I am anxious and why and what triggers it and really getting curious about, you know, okay, here we are again. Um, Here's that same story again. Like, how do I figure out how to deal with this story? And who do I go to? What therapist do I try? What technique do I do? Do I do acupuncture? Do I do EFT? Do I do, you know, what is the thing that's going to help me move this along? So I'm still diving. I'm still learning. Oh, I'm still growing. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say the amount of growth is crazy. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And, and I know um, one of the things I'm kind of discovering too, is there, there may not be an endpoint, right? Like there's, it's going to be a endless process of discovery and refinement and, you know, um, working with whatever this thing sawtooth is, right? Mm-hmm. Like just in, in keeping, you know, introducing new new ways of understanding that, right? <laughs> I feel like we we just did another episode of like a sawtooth therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean... Uh, I can only connect my own experiences. That's right. Right. Like I can't, I can't talk. We're just human after all. Yeah. And I'm not faulting you for that, by the way. No. You're Um, good enough. It's okay for us to talk about these things. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, Michelle was saying this, there's a stigma about mental health and I feel there's a stigma about mental health in men in particular. And I just, listen, you know, I'm doing the equivalent of taking off my clothes and walking down the street naked with the stuff I share about my mental health, you know, and I think yeah. it's important. It, and, you know, part of that's just part of what I want to do, okay. right. Is tell people, you know, I'm, if you look at me on the outside, I'm like this apparently, you know, pretty high level functioning person yet, you know, behind closed doors. And, you know, I, I struggle intensely sometimes with, with mental health issues like anxiety. And I think it's important for people to know that like, you can be all of those things and be enough, right? Exactly. And I think it's important to know you're not alone. Yeah. I think those statistics that you read off earlier about all those people that don't get help, it's amazing how many people have anxiety. It's like one in every eight people have been diagnosed. And it's like, oh, I'm not the only one that thinks like this. You know, and 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 thank you for speaking up because you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. It is much easier from a perspective of our society for a woman to say that she's anxious and that it is for a man and for a man to come right out and be like, I've got anxiety. It's like, Oh, that's a little harder to swallow for some reason. And I don't think we should have a problem with it. I think we should be talking about it. And so I appreciate hearing. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. And you know, part of our, part of our ethos with this podcast, you know, is, is talking to interesting people like Michelle, you know, connecting and, you know, just trying to put some good out there in the world, you know, mm-hmm. that's what Stomping Jen and I are trying to accomplish here. So you're doing a great job. Thanks. Thank um, all right. I've got two super softball questions for you now, Michelle, to Love wrap it. up. <laughs> so yeah. um, what, so when you're not um, what do you like to do that's not yoga related to kind of connect and recenter, recenter yourself? Like, what do you, 
What do you like to do for fun? What do you like to do for fun? I like to do for fun. Yeah. So I used to like to do yoga for fun and now I don't really do it for fun. Um, Cause I know it's like, now I own the business. Like, Oh my God, I got yoga. Um, I'm teasing. Of course I still do yoga for fun. I like to golf. I'm a big golfer. Um, I love to golf. I love to be outside in nature and like just hitting at this stupid ball. That's got to go in this tiny little hole. And it's like, Oh, this is the worst game. And throughout the course of a match, I'll say like, I love this game. I hate this game. I love this game. I hate this game. Um, Cause it's a cool experience to like, just be in all of it. Um, and the other thing I really do is I just, I really love connecting um, with my friends and my family and experiencing um, time with them. I like, I love being with other people. I'm a crazy extrovert. So I get my energy from other people. And so for me, like grabbing dinner or a quick drink or um, going to a networking event or meeting new people or whatever it is, like that lights me up. I just, oh, I love it. I love connecting people like, oh my God, you need to know this person because they're going to help you with this. And da, 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 da. Um, So yeah, those are the fun things I like to do. And I like to read. I watch a ton of TV. Mm. Well, I'm ton. Yeah. I watch a lot of TV. Oh, we watch a ton of TV. Yeah, a lot of TV. Like my favorite right now. I'm like loving that, and um, yeah, so I watch a lot of TV. Yeah, sorry, I was talking over you. What show? Ted Lasso. Oh Oh, yeah, it's so good. We love that. Um, Listen to the soundtrack if you can get access to it. I had it. It came. It popped up the other day for Ted Lasso. Last. I can't say it's it. You say it weird. I don't. It's not Lasso. There's no double O at the end. It's just one O. Lasso. Isn't that thing that you catch a horse with called a lasso? What? Crackery smoking? No. <laughs> it's not. I thought it was a lasso. No, I'm no, not kidding. No, there's a lassie and then there's a lasso. All right, I'll give up. I can't there's say no it. no such thing as a lasso. <laughs> does not exist. All right, forget it. Um, Ted I Lasso. It. I can't even say it. Ted Lasso. Yeah, the soundtrack is amazing. It's okay, really, cool. really good. Um, and it kind of like invokes the vibes of that show. Yeah, right? It's a good show. I don't know. I haven't listened to the soundtrack. Listen to it. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Our last question, um, Michelle Lyman, um, is uh, what have you experienced that you can't explain? Now, we ask this question of everybody. Some people are surprised by it. Some people have an answer right away. Others don't. And any answer you have is fine. Or if you don't have one, that's fine too. But what have you experienced that you can't explain? I can't. Yeah, explain? that you cannot explain. Yeah. Um. Will, yeah. Will mystical music help? Sure, no. you can try. Okay. No. Very spooky. Um, <laughs> spooky. It's like a haunted house. For me, I yeah. definitely have had moments of um, what in yoga we would call like that bliss, where you are just dropped in. And you get to actually just be one with the universe. And it's impossible to explain. It's happened to me twice. Both times have been on retreat. So where you like dive in for like nine days and it's like on the eighth day, right? So you really got to get that mind quiet and you really got to drop in. But dropping in to the point where you're, you concentrate and then you flow and you let go. And once you let go, it's like, wow, you are like one with you're like one with the universe. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's a blip on the screen, but it's amazing. It is a pure moment of love and joy and just, yeah, just 
I love that. There's no, there's no word. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, that was great. Um, I want to achieve that someday. Stomping Jen. You can. You too can achieve Zen by doing yoga. I'm gonna. I'm so Michelle Lyman. Listen, I'm. <laughs> I really enjoyed our conversation, and I've been working up to this for a long time. I think I'm almost there. Oh my where, god. Where I'm going to try yoga. What can I do today? Michelle, make him a deal. What can I do today to put you in my yoga studio? <laughs> no, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I just, I feel it's like, okay. I feel like You'll I'm get getting there when you get there. I feel there. like I'm, yeah. Everybody has their own journey in life. Yeah. Um, I can't thank you enough uh, for talking with oh, us. Thank you, um, this has been so great. And thank you for just being so open to these conversations and honest. And I think it's so important for people to hear the side of things, which is just, just awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Um, so people listening to this, I have a few things I need to ask you to do. Right, Stomping Jen? Mm-hmm. First and foremost, I'm going to look at my list here. You need to go check out Michelle Lyman's stuff, Okay. There is the Serenity Yoga Studio, okay, um, in South Hadley, Massachusetts. Now, I don't want to hear, I live in California, or I live in Tennessee, so I can't do that. Yes, you can. These classes are available online, okay? Mm -hmm. You can stream these classes. There are lots of options available for you. So, um, I will not accept any excuses like that. We're going to go on to this Serenity Yoga website. We're going to look at these classes and we're going to seriously consider them. <laughs> we're going to take some. <laughs> this is where this is where we have to this look, we have Baby to draw steps. we fine. have to draw a line it's fine. and we have to tell people this is what they need to do. Okay. Okay, so, people being him. So check out yep. the sec, check out Serenity Yoga Studio. Also check out Michelle's um, other website where um, she Is talks that where a little. The blog lives? Yeah, well, no, uh, it's where the blog lives, and it's where Michelle talks a little bit more about her practice, kind of integrating, uh, helping people with anxiety and yoga. Okay, check that out too. The links for that will be in the show notes. Okay, you need to check all of this stuff out and read the blog. The blog is great. And if they want to, I have a guide that I tell people to check out too. It's a, it's like a little five page PDF guide. It's called the essential guide to coping with uncertainty and anxiety. And so you can just go to michellekliman.com forward slash guide and sign up for that. Um, Drop your name and email and it'll send you an email. It'll send you a quick email with the link to that. And it's just a, a great five tips that you can do right now in this moment when you're feeling uncertain or anxious to try to reframe things for yourself so that you can feel a little bit more calm and more easeful. Okay. And we're going to put the link there for you in the show notes. So there'll be no excuses. You can click on that link. Okay. Cool. Get, and you can get that guide. Um, okay. Um, also, listeners, do us a favor. Mm-hmm. If you like what you've heard here, if you like our show, tell a friend about us. Share. Um, so share, uh, subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcasting app. Download our episodes. Leave okay? a review. Leave a review. Engage if you with feel so inclined. Engage with us on social media, right? All of that's fun. Fun. Don't expect me to engage back though. I won't do it. I'm too busy. Too much going on, Stomping oh, Chen. Stop I will engage with you. Of course I will. Stop it. I love engaging. Right? Okay. All right. Stomping Jen is like, let's let's wrap this up, Sawtooth. Okay. Um, that's it. We've come to the end. Um, so Michelle, we have a little 
tradition here, the way we sign off, it, our, our sign off sign is what? Stomping time. It's bye now, right? Bye now. And um, we'll let Michelle go last. We'll give Michelle the honor for this episode of the final bye now, right? Um, Stomping Jen, you'll go second to last. I thought I did it already. No, I didn't say go, oh, so okay. we haven't gone yet, okay? Yeah. All right. Um, folks, thanks. We love you, uh, really, truly and dearly. We do love you. Thank you for being part of our community and listening. Um, bye now. Bye now. Bye now. This world of ours, ever growing smaller, must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity. And that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed by the binding force of mutual respect and love. I shall never cease to do what little I can to help the world advance along that road. 